Good afternoon, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have another edition of the Bean Report. Also, we'll get an update from Seeds Canada. And up first in today's country comment, we'll check in on the winter wheat harvest. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba's winter wheat harvest is underway. Alex Griffiths is an agrologist with Ducks Unlimited. Last week, I think harvest got rolling for most fields south of the number one. I know out your way by around Altona and such, they probably got started even before that. But I saw a couple of fields getting harvested uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday last week. And so far, I've been hearing pretty decent yields, really good quality. And most guys are very happy with what's coming off. And I imagine that if this rain stays away a little bit more, uh, fields north of the number one will probably get started late this week. I'd say that the winter cereals were kind of affected the same as everything else, where we're probably a good uh, 10 days or even two weeks behind what normally you'd have, because I'd say uh, the average year, you're probably starting harvest the very early in the first week of August or even the last week of July. And um, Alex, just talk a little bit about uh, what we saw this year in terms of uh, acres. Uh, acres were actually up this year. I think there was just under 74,000 across the province, which was about 20,000 more than the year previous. And back in 2020, we had hit a low of about 30,000 acres. And if you go back all the way to, uh, I think 2013, there was 600,000 acres in the province. So in that seven year span from 2013 to 2020, dropping to 120th of what we had before was, uh, pretty drastic so it's nice to see that it's been creeping up year over year with uh i think some of the newer varieties that are coming out have a good change to that and just a year like last year it was uh so wide open and with an early harvest a lot of guys just had a bit more time to get a chance to seed it now talk a little bit about um ducks unlimited um incentive program that's being offered and and you know how that's helping farmers to to grow the crop yeah for sure so our incentive program we've had it out since 2020 now and this year uh what it offers is it gives you a per acre financial incentive this year it'll be 20 bucks an acre up to a maximum of 250 acres plus we also try and help you out with some of the uh tougher things with growing a crop which is the fertility and the marketing so for the fertility we get western egg we'll give you a free soil sample of the field that you're seeding Uh, and if they can't get that one done in time you can just get it done on any other field and then the marketing is from FarmLink, and they have their uh, new Grain Fox tool, which really helps with marketing. And you just get a full uh, one-year free subscription to that. And then that way, it's kind of a whole package where uh, if you sow one field, you've got help from all sides uh, with growing that. And what we've found is it's really helpful for those guys who have kind of been sitting on the fence uh, thinking about maybe putting in a field, but not really having that uh, extra push that they need to get it done, or you just get so wrapped up and busy with harvest because it's such a busy time that it's very hard to uh, hop out of the combine and into the cedar. But sometimes when you have a program like this, you can get some people to do that. And I've noticed that it's been very helpful because even this year I worked with probably about 20 producers and I think seven of them had never grown winter wheat before. So it was uh, pretty successful on that side of things. Now, Alex, um, what are some other reasons that, you know, farmers might consider growing uh, winter wheat? (laughs) I could probably go on about this for uh, days and days, but some of the uh, easier ones, obviously, is just when you've got a field sown in the fall, 
your spring, you don't even have to worry about it anymore. And a year like this where it was so wet and uh, guys were able, weren't were able to get onto fields as early as they would have liked, it's just so nice you can kind of rest easy with that already done. You're also harvesting in earlier in the fall. Like Even though we're a bit delayed right now, it's still the middle of August where we've got really nice long days. It's usually quite warm, and you can just kind of keep the combine rolling a lot longer, which is good. Uh, another really good one is since it's a fall-seeded crop, it's like it hops out of the ground really quickly in the spring, and that makes it more competitive for weeds, especially annual weeds. I know Charles Geddes at Lethbridge did a rotation study where he replaced winter wheat with spring wheat in the rotation, and it reduced kosha densities by about 75%. And I even saw that this year with uh, the other weeds like foxtail barley too. So that's just uh, a fantastic way to kind of help with keeping your weed pressures down and even reducing your herbicide use, which can help with uh, combating herbicide resistant or yeah, herbicide resistant weeds as well. Anything else to, to highlight here, Alex? Or? If you're planning on putting in a field this uh, spring, today is actually the very first day for the MASC seeding window, which runs from August 15th to the 25th for full coverage. And then from the 26th to the 30th of September, there's uh, the reduced coverage window. And just to uh, keep in mind, I think that variety is one of the uh, most key aspects where if you just get a good winter hardy variety that has some good yields like Gold Rush or Wildfire or Boratex come to mind and Emerson even works really well too. And uh, yeah, especially if guys are looking at uh, like seeding unseeded acreages or uh, summer fallow, things like that, it's uh, very important to get it feed it early and use a winter hardy variety because your stubble is kind of compromised for snow catchability. That was Alex Griffiths, an agrologist with Ducks Unlimited, updating us on the winter wheat harvest. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Canadian Pacific Railway has announced a new two-year collective agreement with the Teamsters Canada Rail Conference following binding arbitration. The new agreement includes a 3.5% wage increase in 2022 and 2023 and increased benefits. Under the arbitration decision, the TCRC will also join a CP pension improvement account. The new collective agreement runs through 2023. Teamsters Canada Rail Conference represents approximately 3,000 locomotive engineers, conductors, train and yard workers across Canada. Combines have been busy taking off this year's winter wheat crop. Alex Griffiths is an agrologist with Ducks Unlimited. I'd say that the winter cereals were kind of affected the same as everything else, where we're probably a good uh, 10 days or even two weeks behind what normally you'd have. I'd say uh, the average year, you're probably starting harvest the very early in the first week of August or even the last week of July. Griffiths says he's been hearing of good yields and quality with this year's winter wheat crop. And Manitoba Agriculture says insects of greatest concern currently are aphids and small grain cereals and soybeans and grasshoppers. Here's entomologist John Gavlosky. So we're seeing aphids in several crops right now. In peas, the problem is more or less finishing up because the peas are quite susceptible when the pods are still elongating. But once most of the pods have elongated, the pea crop is no longer as susceptible. And so most of the the pea fields now are getting to the point where uh, they're not, not quite as susceptible to the, the pea aphids. Insecticides have been applied for soybean aphids in some fields in eastern and central Manitoba. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute.
Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, August 16th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the Executive Director of Seeds Canada. Seeds Canada celebrated its first anniversary at its first in-person annual meeting in Winnipeg last month. I caught up with Executive Director Barry Senft. It was a celebration in a couple of different uh, ways. One is that exactly that is that we celebrated our first year anniversary um, for the organization. And uh, that in itself, um, you know, coming through um, the process of the merger of the four organizations in uh, a COVID environment and uh, people not needing to finalize the merger and, um, and move forward into the new organization um, that was a challenge in itself. And the second celebration was getting the people together to celebrate that first anniversary in person. So I think it was really twofold. One is uh, what the organization has done in itself in that first year. And um, secondly, finally getting together to have a face-to-face meeting to celebrate the merger itself. Yeah, and... um wanted to talk a little bit about the annual meeting. Um, talk about, you know, some of the highlights that came out of that. Well, one of the big topics, um, and it has been over the last um, uh, 16 months, has been the uh, SRM, the uh, Seed Regulatory Modernization Process, initiated by um, the CFIA. And we're in amidst this discussion of what uh, should be changed in seed development regulations. Um, the government has a process that we've been very much involved in as Seeds Canada, both from a staff perspective and a member perspective, uh, in task force, in working group, uh, uh, etc. So that was a big topic of discussion uh, in, in Winnipeg. Yeah, I guess just talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, where things are at with the, um, with the work that you're doing there. So one of the issues, uh, we've gone along the process, as I said, uh, uh, over 16 months already as far as what the um, the government has initiated as a process to review this. This is um, this, this process or review is um, well received by Seeds Canada. Uh, we feel that we need to be moving forward uh, given, you know, the changes with our farmer customer, our commercial farmers. Uh, seed development in itself, a whole new uh, area of, uh, of uh, breeding, i.e. gene editing. And so it is important for the regulatory system to keep up to what's going in and around them. And so they, the review itself was very sought after and very welcomed by, uh, by Seeds Canada. Getting into the process, um, you might recall that um, back in the end of last calendar year, we thought that um, the commercial farmers, our customers, uh, were not having enough um, input or being or having a discussion amongst themselves about the future of seed development. So we so we formed and organized the seed summit with a number of uh, partners. We had eight uh, plus ourselves nine uh, organizations sponsoring the seed summit. What we heard from our commercial producers and from our end users is. They'd like more input in the um, in discussion into the seed development process. And so from that, uh, over and since uh, the February period, we've been working on a proposal that would be um, 
a significant change to what is in place today. And really the significance of the change would be that we have all parts of the value chain involved in a standard setting body. Uh, what we uh, entitle it is the Independent Standard Setting Body, uh, ISSB, where you'd have the full value chain determining and, and working towards uh, changes in seed development. And you wouldn't, with something like this initiative, you wouldn't be waiting for a process like SRM to come up every 15 or 20 years to be looking at what changes needed to be made through the ISSB process. You'd be doing continuous improvement through that body. And that is a significant uh, change to what we have today. Uh, of course, we had lots of discussion uh, at the AGM about this uh, this uh, new initiative, uh, this discussion or this topic that we've been discussing with our board over the last number of months. So that took up a lot of uh, a lot of time of the AGM, just talking about ISSB and how it fits into the seed development process. All right, and I guess just heading, looking ahead here, you know, what'll be some some things you'll be focusing on, um, you know, as as you get into your second year here. Well, the SRM process is so important to uh, to our members and to our customers that a lot of emphasis will be going in on that. Uh, the other issues of, you know, what our members' needs are as far as the training aspect of things. Uh, we offer uh, training through our client services. Uh, Area so what um, what services uh, can we providing new services can we be providing to um, you know to our clients on that side of the equation uh, the whole issue again of uh, we'll be doing a survey this fall with our members seeing what um, if there's something what we should be um, into something that we're missing and and shouldn't be missing so that'll be a big emphasis uh, over the next. Um, uh, two or three months is uh, launching that survey with our with our members of Seeds Canada. That was Barry Senf. He's the executive director with Seeds Canada. The organization celebrated its first anniversary at its first in-person annual meeting held in Winnipeg last month. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Ag Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout August. Hours are 1 to 4 p.m. Call 204-343-2061. RSK Farms, in conjunction with Manitoba Herefords, will be hosting a field day this Saturday, August 20th, five miles north of Douglas, Manitoba. Call 204-573-9529. The Canadian Wildlife Federation is offering a webinar on Canada's 10 Most Invasive Plants. Register on the Canadian Wildlife Federation website. That takes place August 30th. Fall on the Farm takes place at the Mennonite Heritage Village in Steinbach on September 5th. And the Cultivate Sustainability Conference and Trade Show is planned for September 7th at the RBC Convention Centre in Winnipeg. Register at foodbeveragesmb.ca. It's time now for the Bean Report, brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Joining us today is Production Specialist Jennifer McComb-Teroux. Soybeans are continuing to set and fill pods with most fields ranging from the R4 stage, where pods are three-quarters of an inch long at one of the top four nodes, to R5, the beginning seed stage. So we are seeing and hearing of soybean aphids across the province, with some at spring thresholds. 
Grasshoppers are also continuing to be a challenge in some fields and will need to continue to be monitored. So with field peas, they're ranging from the R4, the full pod stages, to R6, a mid-maturity staging, with some earlier planted fields getting closer to harvest at the R7 staging. And this is where 75 to 80% of the pods are golden brown in color. We are seeing some yellowing of field peas due to saturated soils, resulting in root rots. It's a good idea to get these plants tested to understand which root rot it is, and specifically, is it a Phenomyces, as it can be quite long-lived in the soil. If your field does test positive to a Phenomyces, your main management tool is rotation, which will need to be extended in the future. So this is why properly identifying the root rot is important to help you with your future rotational planning. So with dry beans, they're ranging from the R5, the beginning seed staging, to R7, full seed staging. And it's recommended to continue to monitor for white mold development in dry bean crops. So seeds are at R5, that full pod staging, where the seeds are filling the pod cavity. We are hearing reports of ligus bugs. So now is an important time to keep your eye out for them. They're sucking mouse parts, pierced pods, and seeds, and will make pinholes in the seed coat. Ligus do not affect yield, but they do affect seed quality, and this can cause downgrading. Jennifer, you mentioned uh, soybean aphids. Uh, talk a bit more about uh, what's been going on there. So yeah, the, the key timing to monitor and scout for soybean aphids is starting at that R1 to R5, the beginning seed growth stages. So a lot of soybean fields are within this time period. So once soybeans do reach that R6, that full seed stage, when the seeds are firm, aphids are no longer a threat to yield. So the action threshold for soybean aphids is 200, 250 aphids per plant on average and increasing. So if you do detect soybean aphids, keep in mind how to best scout for them, which is at least two field visits from when you first detect them. So first, it is recommended to understand the baseline and count the number of aphids per plant. Aphids do not dislodge easily, so sweep net is not recommended. And so once you do detect it, go back within five days to assess whether the population is increasing, is it decreasing, or is it staying the same? So if the population is not increasing, natural enemies may be managing the population. If the population is increasing, natural enemies may be overwhelmed. So in good news, there are many natural enemies of soybean aphids. And since thresholds are high, these aphid enemies can generally help reduce populations. So as you scout for aphids, make sure to keep your eye out for their predators at the same time. There is a big list of aphid predators, and we have more information on this and photos of what to keep your eye out for in this week's bean report, along with the soybean aphid fact sheet. And to wrap things up, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, field pea harvest and uh, desiccation. Yes. So earlier seeded peas are getting closer to harvest. And staging maturity of peas for swathing or desiccating can be a bit tricky. So the plant flowers and ripens from the bottom up. And often there is green material at the top of the plant. So doing a drive-by scout can be very misleading. So to truly understand staging, you do need to get out into the field to see the distribution within the field and on the plant of the color change of the pods and the seeds within to get a good feel for staging. So for desiccation and swath timing, you know, peas are ready when the crop reaches R7, so 
So this is when most pods are around 80% a yellow, golden, brown. Seeds in the middle pods are yellow and have changed color. And the bottom seeds have become detached and rattle in the pod. And that overall seed moisture is less than 30%. So harvesting peas should start when all pods are golden brown and seed moisture is less than 20%. So keep in mind that harvesting over 20% moisture can increase the risk of the amount of earth tick and harvesting below 16% moisture can increase the risk of seed damage. We do have a handy field pea desiccation harvest guide along with more info in our upcoming bean report to help you prepare for your upcoming pea harvest. Thanks, Jennifer. Jennifer McComb-Tarou is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The Bean Report is brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. You can find out more at manitobapulse.ca. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Manitoba Agriculture says insects of greatest concern right now are grasshoppers and aphids. Here's entomologist John Gavlosky. Grasshoppers, they're starting to move around right now. They like to feed on things that are lush and green. And this time of year, a lot of the crops that they're in are starting to dry down and mature. So that gets them moving. Or if ditches are cut or there's less vegetation in some of the naturalized areas, they will also move looking for greener things to feed on. So they are moving around and we're just encouraging people just watch your crops and where they're moving. And Manitoba's winter wheat harvest is underway. Alex Griffiths is an agrologist with Ducks Unlimited. Last week, I think harvest got rolling for most fields south of the number one around Altona and such. They probably got started even before that, but I saw a couple of fields getting harvested uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday last week. And so far, I've been hearing pretty decent yields, really good quality. And most guys are very happy with what's coming off. And I imagine that if this rain stays away a little bit more, uh, fields north of the number one will probably get started late this week. Griffiths says Manitoba's winter wheat harvest is about 10 days to two weeks behind normal. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.